Appraisal gaps are complicating deals. CoStar has acquired Homes.com, and the owner of the Phoenix Coyotes has his home for sale in the area for close to $12 million. You'll hear about it next on Tool Time. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. We've got some interesting stuff to talk about here today. As always, we got a really high-priced local sale we'll talk about in a second mm-hmm. from the owner of the Phoenix Coyotes. CoStar making more acquisitions. But first, we'll talk about one of the biggest issues I know you're dealing with, I'm yeah. dealing with. Every agent in the country, at least the ones selling real estate, are dealing with. And it's appraisal gaps complicating sales. So tell us about it, Sarah. What are you seeing? What do you know? What do you think? So this is something that we have been dealing with for a while. I know that we've touched base on it um, in other episodes here, but it's something that is just continuing to kind of snowball. And it is going on. It's not a local thing. It is absolutely national everywhere. It's it's going on. Um, so basically, appraisals are not are not lining up. They're coming in short. So buyers are having to figure out how do we make up that difference. And sellers are very much aware right now of this issue. So they want to see in offers that are coming in some security for themselves that the price that's being offered is actually what they're going to get. Um, you know, there's a couple different ways that people are trying to, to bridge this gap. Um, in some situations, you know, you're looking at lower priced houses because you know that you need to have that cash on hand in order to, to make things up. Um, so that's kind of shifting, you know, what people's searches are, are initially looking like. Other times, like you hope that you have like some uh, family or friends that are willing <laughs> to throw you a few bucks to, to make up that difference there. But it's, I mean, deals are dying because of it. And uh Otherwise, good offers aren't getting accepted if you're not including that piece in there to, to take care of the seller. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a problem. Like, it's, it's a good problem to have because the market's doing well for sellers and, you know, rates are low. It's still a problem. And, and one of the challenges I'm seeing is that, you know, we've had a couple of these happen where the appraisal doesn't come through. And Sucks. the delta and the difference is, is significant. Like, it's yeah. not like it's a couple thousand bucks. It's like ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. And some sellers are saying, screw it. I'm going to put it back on the market and see if I can do any better. And then what will happen is the home sells for more and they get a better appraisal the second time around because there's a data issue here. Yeah. And you know, as much as like some buyers are willing to make up the difference, we've had a couple clients land homes because of that. Mm-hmm. The, the challenge is not everyone's in that position, number one, or two, some of these appraisals are not very good. Right. right? And, and I'm gonna be very clear here on this. And, and I think a lot of this has to do with the lender that you choose and who the appraiser is because you know, we study market data all the time, right? Everyone's right. always looking at like comps and data and different things. And I'll find sales that are much more appropriate than what's being used. And then it's almost like a hassle to ask yeah. them to look at it again. It's almost like, what are you talking about? I'm doing my job. And the reality is that some of these lenders, they get appraisers from like an hour away or they're not right. local. They don't understand the market. They don't understand the importance of being on this side of the street and walking distance to restaurants, bars, that sort of stuff versus a mile away where you can't really walk there. It's like a half hour walk and home sell for more because of that. And and that to me is the biggest frustration here. Absolutely. I mean, I think one thing that lenders can do when they're submitting this over to the appraiser, um, and this doesn't necessarily like alleviate some of these differences, but just while trying to cover all of your bases, point out to the appraiser prior to them going out, if you know that there are specific 
uh, unique things about the property or features that should change the value a little bit, the more information you can provide from the get-go, the better. But it doesn't mean that they're going to follow it. And if they're not local, they might not get the significance of of what that actually means. So it's tricky. It's it's tough. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, 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 the biggest issue here is that you know, the market obviously is the ultimate determining factor of a value. Like a home's worth as much as a buyer's willing to pay, right? So the frustration is you're getting like multiple offers at these price points and then the appraisal doesn't come in and then you see a bunch of pending data that comes in later. Right. So, you know, my, my challenge here is the, I, the controls could probably be a little better on mm-hmm. appraisers or in a market like this where homes are appreciate, appreciating like 1% to 2% a month, why isn't there a, 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 an adjustment for time? Like, and, yeah. and this is this is federal guidelines. This is law that's got to get changed. But they're they're not seeing the whole picture. And some of the big banks, I mean, it's like they're just like they basically are like, screw you. This is right. the appraisal, and, right. and they, they will not look at it. And it's almost like you have to beg them to do their job. Which all the more reason to use a local lender who you can talk to somebody. I mean, we've seen this happen before. And you know, some buy, I mean, the buyers are in a tough spot here. I mean, they're putting their client at risk because. You know, after you lose out on a couple homes and another one comes available that maybe you lost out on the first time, a buyer may say, you know what, I got 20 grand I'm willing to put on the table just to make up the appraisal gap. Right. And I think that that's the, that's the thing that's happening. So people are getting the houses and they can't close on them because right. of the, the, the lending issues. So like, what solutions would you want to see here? I mean, I'd like to see maybe some, some flexibility in how they can evaluate this stuff for the appraisers not being so conservative. But what, like, I mean, like, we talk about, like, where the appraiser's coming from. Like, what do you think would be a good solution? Because it's great to bitch about it. But what are we're we here, do? We're, we're, we're solution oriented here, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be great if a, a law was passed here yeah, yeah. where it would it would kind <laughs> of do this do this for us. Um, but I mean, I think the best thing that you can do is, like you said, I mean, use a a local lender that you trust that you know uses local appraisers. Provide as much information as you can upfront about the property. Don't be afraid to come back with um, to ask for it to be reappraised if you then are able to provide other comps, other supporting evidence. Sometimes you have to reach out. I've had more emails in the last, you know, month or two than I've ever had before from people reaching out being like, you know, I saw that this one is pending mm-hmm. or this one's about to close. Like, give me the information on this property. Um, we need it for a comp. Um, so really just kind of doing whatever you can to try and gather the data that supports it. Um, but unfortunately, you're kind of at the mercy of the appraiser which ultimately isn't like great all the time. You yeah, know? yeah, like there's, it's kind of out of your control, which is sucks, you know? So, so it definitely does suck, right? I mean, the buyers are the ones paying for this and some sellers are just like, screw it. I'm going to put it back on the market because the market's so incredible right now for sellers that someone's going to be willing to buy it. And, and that's a tough spot to be in. So I'd love to see lenders and appraisers protect their client a little more here instead of just dumping it on the realtor and we have to negotiate it all out because sometimes there's not an outcome that's going to be acceptable. And that's right. what a lot of people don't get. So it, it, it's, a, it's a tough time right now. I mean, especially when people are waiving contingencies yeah. and they lose that protection. And that's the only way they're getting the house. And then maybe the lender says, well, why did you waive the mortgage contingency? And, and right. our job's to get them the house. Exactly. So, you know, having a lender that's going to cooperate is a good thing here. And also just kind of letting your buyer know what's up and right. preempting what's going to happen here. Because if they know going in, it's a little easier conversation to have than if mm-hmm. they have no idea this is a possibility. Right, right. It's an easier pill to swallow when they see it coming versus uh, just being like, oh, hey, yeah, <laughs> we got to do this. You know, like it's they need the the information and they your expectations need to be set uh, going into it so that you know what you're dealing with. And also so you understand other people are doing this. You know, you're not the 
Yeah, you're not exactly. crazy for for doing this. This is what you need to do to be competitive in many cases. Yeah, and sometimes it's what's most important to the buyer is get us the house. I right. don't care how. So what I'm hearing here, and, and I think you know at least how, how you can deal with this is one, get someone local where like at least their appraisers coming from the same county the property's in or whatever your municipality is, depending on where you are in the country, and two. Have the tough conversation up front and be the knowledge broker, right? We talk about that all the time. So, and I mean, we literally practice this like every day, like how to have these conversations. So I think that's the only way to deal with this. And then also, you know, kind of work with the appraiser a little bit. Like a lot of realtors don't return calls from the appraiser, which is like the worst thing you can do because right. they don't have any – I mean, they were doing drive-by appraisals up until a couple weeks ago. So right. that's another issue. So, I, I just, you know, be easy to work with. Yeah. I find it funny how often you have to tell realtors – don't be a jerk and be yeah. easy to work with, right? right. Tell, it goes a long way. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 any business, right? So that's business advice for anyone watching. So I don't. this isn't going away either. I mean, so I, I think there's stuff here. You can take this if you're a consumer, if you're an agent, implement those couple of things right away, and it's going to get you at least better results you can deal with. Absolutely. So CoStar is in the news again, right? They, uh, they bought Homes.com, which is a online an online search portal. They paid $156 million in cash. It's mm -hmm. like Randy Moss would say, straight cash, homie, right? You probably don't even know who Randy Moss is. Uh, wide receiver. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, and, and this is the second acquisition they've made. They bought HomeSnap, which is another real estate portal for $250 million a couple months ago. What do you think about all this? Yeah, it seems like they're really trying to uh, get their ducks in a row to, to make some moves here. They're uh, loading their arsenal, I would say, with uh, different, just different tools and, um, you know, they're, they're trying to get even more competitive. So while they haven't come out and said that they're trying to compete directly with Zillow, um, you know, if we read between the lines here, I feel like that's, you know, we're, even though this story isn't a Zillow story this week for once, it still it's, it's, always comes it's back Zillow to Zillow. Story. That's the most eyeball <laughs> one. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what's happening in the industry right now. Yeah, it's funny you bring up Zillow because like they're um, so Andy Florence, who uh, is their CEO, he came out and said, hey, it's highly complimentary to HomeSnap uh, because HomeSnap is like has a lot of powerful mobile tools and highly effective agent marketing. And Homes.com is the online portal and consumer traffic site. So now that's kind of what Zillow is. Zillow also has their own app, their own CRM. Uh, it's not a very good one. They'll be the first ones to tell you. So now they kind of got the pieces in place. Right. And then what I love about this, and this is very Zillow-like, I will say, um, he also came out and said in January that his company isn't competing with Zillow, but rather the residential agent is Zillow's competitor. And while that may be true, this to me is exactly what Zillow did for years. Hey, we're not going to compete with you real estate agents. We're not going to do it. And then they start hiring salaried real estate agents yep. to work with them. So it, my view is that this is the only company I see out there that's going to be able to do anything to Zillow. And even if they do, let's say they come out and they do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. How many homes are these guys really selling? 20% of all the properties? I mean, I, I, there's still opportunity out there for agents. And some people are, you know, Zillow and CoStar are the devil. Or, like, they don't say that about CoStar, but they probably right. will if this plays out. Sure. And there's a way to make money and profit from these things and acquire clients from them. And it's like an acquisition cost. And I don't, yeah. and a lot of agents don't really have a lot of formal business training. So, I'm, I'm clear they're absolutely gearing up. For sure. And look, like I mean, Realtor.com was a thing before Zillow even existed. And they handled it horribly. Realtor.com, like they're trying to have the same program Zillow has with Zillow Flex. They're trying to do a lot of the same things, but their infrastructure is just not there. Right. CoStars is. CoStars yeah. is legit. And They've been strategic about how they're 
pulling their stuff together. They're doing the same thing Zillow did. Yeah. Oh, no, don't worry. We're not competing. Right, right. Looking right at agents in a room at their premier agent conference. Don't worry, Sarah. <laughs> we're not competing. And then they come out yeah. and compete. Yeah. yeah. Well, they don't say the yet part. So yeah. <laughs> do, so do you think they could, they could actually like make, put a dent into Zillow's market share? Like, Do you think they can actually make Zillow have to pivot here? And is Zillow talking about them and considering them a threat? I'm sure that they're on Zillow's radar. I doubt that Zillow's like scared of them. Um, I think that they're that CoStar is doing what they they need to do in order to position themselves the best way they can in order to compete. Um, but I think that there's space for both of them, and they'll they'll kind of play it out. You know, um, I think they'll they'll both be here. I, I, I don't agree. Think one's yeah. gonna take the other. There's plenty of business for everybody, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I mean, maybe 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 Zillow will buy CoStar. Yeah. Who knows, right? Yeah. But uh, I, although CoStar's got a bigger market cap, but that's not here nor there. So <laughs> the, the point is, I, I, I agree with you, and I don't see the loser here as being CoStar or Zillow. Right. To me, the loser is the agent doing five deals a year, the agent that doesn't have any business plan, the husband and wife team that are doing 15 sales, the companies and some of these bigger companies, uh, you know, like these brokerages that are constantly like fighting and suing each other mm -hmm. instead of getting real about the real threats that are out there to their business. And, you know, I wouldn't be nervous either. And, you know, we, you know, we talk about threats to our team and our business all the time. And the threats are always going to be there. And they're right. going to keep coming. And as long as you know about them and can pivot, that's what both these companies are doing. And CoStar did this because they saw an opportunity. Right. Like, they didn't just do this because they were like, oh, we're going to go after Zillow. Because that's a stupid way to run a business. Right. You don't want to start, you know, have a vendetta against somebody and then just come after them. It's because they see an opportunity. And it's probably the same opportunity Zillow saw. And Absolutely. Let's face it, real estate's the last industry to get disrupted until the past 24, 36 months. Sure, sure. I mean, I think it's the same as we've like talked about before. Stay ahead of it, know what's out there, and then you know, be strategic about it and use use things to your advantage rather than fight it. You know, take what you can from it and, and work with it. If I was an agent, which I am. Uh, <laughs> which I am. Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like that Bud Light commercial. Are you a doctor? Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> I would be looking at getting involved with both of these and making sure, home, see how viable HomeSnap and Homes.com is. I mean, I would test out and see what this is like right now, just like people have tested Zillow and tested other portals, because if the leads convert mm -hmm. and you can get a positive ROI, and that's one lead pillar, just a singular one, and we talk about this all the time internally, the agents that are relying on one thing, they're the ones that are out of business. When you got your sphere work and you got Zillow work and you got some sort of listing lead gen, like if I was an agent, I'd be looking at this hard and saying, okay, Let's see how these things do. Let's so, test it out and see if I can make money with it. It's a classic, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Yes. You know? well, go Diversify right the, your portfolio, you know? <laughs> well, that's exactly what it is, though. I mean, I mean, you don't want to, because when you do, that's when you're vulnerable. Like, yeah. I mean, I know there's teams out there that their whole business model was, I'm going to buy Zillow leads. That's, that's all it. I'm going to do. Like, they don't work their <laughs> sphere. They don't go out and get listings. And yeah. those are the teams and, and that, that are, you know, in, in a lot of trouble right now. And, yeah. I mean, you see, you know, especially the way the market is where pending sales are down. Mm -hmm. People aren't doing as much business. And you see these other teams and other groups that are doing more business than ever. Right. There's a reason for that, right? Yeah. So I'd be looking at this and seeing if it's going to be something that's a, that's a positive, positive uh, cash flow or a positive ROI lead pillar. And then kind of going from there because CoStar is not going away. And, it's, no. and just like Zillow isn't either. I mean, I remember when Zillow came out, and people were like, what is this website? Who do they think they are? Right. And you can bitch about it, or you can do something about it. Right. And now, like, no one doesn't know what Zillow is, you know? I mean, you have so, the SNL skit, you know? Right. It's, it's, I mean, I, that's not what my house looks like, but maybe other people's. So, <laughs> so I think, you know, for I think there's some good advice here for agents, and more importantly, like, this is going to keep happening, and they, they're, they're coming into the residential space, so people like it or not. Yep. 
So this third story here, this is pretty uh, interesting. A little like gossipy, I would say, to a yeah. certain extent. Maybe, you know, there might be more your alley than mine. So um, <laughs> there's a home in Gladwin that just came back to the market. It was on the market with um, another agent for a while. And it's uh, they, they, it was funny because this is in the Philadelphia Business Journal. And, um, you know, and, and there's other higher priced properties that are out there. But uh, this particular property, um, it's listed by an agent from New York, which I find very interesting, which we can talk about in a second. Um, it was purchased for $12 million in 2006. And now it's listed at 11.9. And... They put a ton of money into the property. Mm -hmm. um, it's a 16,000 square foot home on 32 acres in Gladwin. And the owner um, has an ownership interest in the Phoenix Coyotes, right? So, and his agent basically came out and said, the seller's a committed seller. I, like, I, I think this was just a press piece to try to get the home sold, but it, it kind of brings up a better point. Like, who's buying these homes? How many of these sell? I mean, yeah. you see a listing like that. I mean, obviously the house is ridiculous. Right, right. What do you think about all this? Yeah, so... There are not a ton of people in the market for this this price home. Um, I mean, there's in, in there, our marketplace. In, yeah, 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 in, I agree, yes, yeah, in in our marketplace. So, um, you know, they've been he's been dropping the price, but he just dropped by two mil. Mm -hmm. um, so when you see like that large of a price drop, um, you know, he's he's motivated, um, trying to to drum up some interest. But you almost, I think, what the the highest offer that came in was. Around seven million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it said in the article here. I mean, who knows? I mean, right. I mean, these things aren't usually made public, but yeah, that's that's a big delta. Right. It's like right. half the price. Yeah. So you're not getting a ton of offers offers in on this property, and I'm sure that they are really uh, kind of looking through and making sure that anybody that's interested in coming out to see it is very well qualified and has the potential to buy it. They're not just. I mean, I've gotten calls before from from people who are in a certain price range, and all of a sudden they'll be like, "Hey, I want to see this." home and it's like so outside of it and it's like well no like at that <laughs> price like there a lot of agents are gonna like require that you show them proof of funds before you can even just go yeah. look at it because there are these unbelievable properties right um but yeah i guess they're they're trying to drum up some interest <laughs> I, I mean to me it's like you know the new york agents are a little different and like they don't have an mls in new york so that makes it a little more challenging a good friend of mine is uh josh rubin What's up, man? Um, I know. I mean, you, you like it's, it's definitely a challenging market up there. Mm -hmm. um, what's surprising to me is hiring an agent who's not local because normally with these kind of homes, the agent's got to be there to show it, right. right? So is this guy jumping on a train to come down every here? time? Right now, I don't know how many people are looking at the home in general because we actually went through and wanted to highlight some of the higher price listings and sales. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of stuff like this, and you know, seeing, I mean, it, it's the house is it's crazy. It's got eight bedrooms, four half bathroom or eight eight bathrooms, four half bathrooms, seven bedroom house. It's got a you know the basement's five thousand square feet. That's bigger than most houses, um, and I'm I'm sure the home's beautiful. I think the cha it's got a tennis court. The challenge here is one thing. The median income in our marketplace is $87,000 a year. And even for higher priced homes, you can get a really nice home for two or three million in here. Like, like mm -hmm. on the same level that would be 15 million in California, right? Absolutely. So just to give some perspective. And when you look at what's sold, and I always look at addressable market, less than 3% of the homes that sold last year were above 650, 700, depending on what county you're in. So you got 3% of the market in the fifth most populated metro market in the country, right? So mm -hmm. it's a smaller percentage of the market, number one. Over the past two years, there's only two sales, and there's like there's a lot of activity around the $5 million range, and after that, it kind of, and by a lot, I mean like 15 or 20. Okay. And then there's there's two homes that sold in Chester, Delaware, Bucks, uh, Montgomery, and, um, and Philadelphia. 
There's one in Glenside that sold for $8.5 million, and then a place in Haverford that sold for seven point three. The home in Haverford, it's the same township, so you can, it's like apples to apples. Okay. It's on two acres, so it didn't have the acreage. It was 12,400 square feet, and that went for $7.3 million. Um, wow. So, And that's also right by, like, Marion Golf Club, which a mm-hmm. lot of people like because, you know, it's like a historic golf club, and they had the U.S. Open there. So, and then if you look at the active listings, like, there's a listing in the Laurel. It's with the condo uh, down at, uh, off Rittenhouse Square for $25 million. And there's a place on Monk Road that's on 67 acres, so it's got double the acreage, and they're at $24 million. I mean, I, I just I don't see a lot of buyers for these properties. No. You, you can get a really great house for two or three million bucks. Right. Absolutely. Really great. And five is insane. This, ha- I mean, this house is great. I mean, I, I, I see why people would like it, but it's just, I, I don't know how many people are going to come in and want to buy that home in this area and spend that kind of money. Right. Knowing what the market is. For sure. So, like, what is it, like, you're an agent, right? Or you get a buyer that comes in. Like, what does this signal for the market or what does this mean for the marketplace in general when you see stuff like this happen and these, like, high price sales comes out and they just don't move? I mean, some of these homes are on the market for years. Well, I think that kind of regardless of what the market is, this, this end of luxury homes in this area are not quick movers. Like, mm-hmm. regardless of if it's a buyer's market, a seller's market, or or whatever. Um, they tend to, to not fly off the shelves just because, again, in this area, there isn't a huge number of buyers that are, are looking at that, that price point. Um, so I don't know that it really signifies anything for, for the market. I mean, I think it's just kind of this is often what it is. Obviously, the seller, you know, he's dropping it $2 million at a time here is is motivated but um for what he put into it not that he's he's never going to recoup this back yeah, but that, that will not happen it's a good deal <laughs> i guess no um but yeah you're not really going to find uh i don't think you're going to find a ton of buyers that are flocking to it well and what, what i see here is is something that I, I think every anyone who owns a a luxury property and it could be a million bucks could be two million bucks you know, there's going to be some that get a lot more activity than others. And it kind of depends on, like, the township that you're in, the, uh, you know, the, the area that you're in, because we know that, like, certain price points in Newtown Square move really well, and then you get above that price point, it, it, the, the activity, like, drops off. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, you know, anywhere along the main line. It kind of goes township to township there. My view is if you're a luxury seller and you're not getting a lot of activity on your home and you get an offer... You might have to take the, it. <laughs> the, the next one might not come for, like, a year, and yeah. you got to factor in your carrying costs, like, what that's going to cost you, and... I just don't know if there's going to be a better time to max out your your, your, your price point there. So I, I think the timing on this is good because the market is so frothy right now, especially for sellers. Very incredible. I, like, you better look at that first offer pretty hard. It's not yeah. like in the meat and potatoes market where you're in like that three to five to six, even 700 range where you need a couple days. Like, you get an mm-hmm. offer that comes in and you've been on the market a few months, you might be waiting a long time right. until that next one comes in. I agree. And that's that's a high end market though. I think it's just a lot different. And yeah. and you got you also got to be patient too. I mean, there's not you know to buy a home that's twelve million, right? People always buy a home that's four x their annual income. So mm-hmm. you're making three million bucks a year. Now there's certainly people that are worth a lot of money to do that, but you know some people aren't going to want to put that kind of money into their house either. Right. I mean, if you got a family of three or four kids, I mean, you know, I got I got a family of five. I don't know that I would need sixteen thousand square feet. It'd be nice sometimes, especially now that we're in, <laughs> in lockdown and all that stuff. But I mean, some people are going to be a little more conservative with what they spend on their home. So sure. I think... This Just because you can't afford it doesn't mean that you even want that large of a home. That's good advice for any buyer, by the way. Just because yeah. you can't afford it doesn't mean you, you should you buy it. You have to do right? it. Yeah. Right, right. Well, I mean, this will be interesting. I mean, we'll kind of keep our eyes on this. I mean, I hope it sells for anybody. I hate seeing homes sit on the market, but uh, this is... Uh, the high-end market, like, this is, like, the... High, like, this is this is the highest end. It doesn't get any higher. Right. It's... Uh, I mean, you can see there... I mean, there's two homes that sold above... 
really above seven million, let alone as high as this over the past 24 months. So I think that, that that's really relevant to kind of see here. So we'll be back next week. Exciting news coming up on the next episode. We'll share it with you then. Thanks for watching.